Welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast. I'm Tom Jorgensen. And if you were expecting Jim Vavita's voice right there, I'm about to disappoint you. Jim is actually on his way to a very well-deserved vacation. But before he left, he sat down with Terry Schwartz and Joshua Yale for the Justice League spoiler cast. That's right. They talked everything. The beginning, the middle, the end. That's everything because that's how storytelling works uh we're gonna go into full spoilers here so again if you have not seen the movie yet go see it first come back and listen to this and if you don't care about spoilers well there's a lot of them coming up so here you go at long long last i cannot believe i'm finally saying this but justice league is in Theaters, it's out, guys. It's happened. I am Terry Schwartz. I am joined by Jim Vavida and Joshua Yell. We have all seen Justice League, and we're here to talk about it. So full spoilers, if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, come back later. But, guys, I mean, we've, we've been joking about this. This movie has been in production for so long. Let's, yeah. let's go down the line. Let's start with Jim, because you reviewed the movie for IGN. Right. What did you think? Um, I think it's a deeply flawed film that, nevertheless, has entertainment value. I understand the people who... Uh, are really frustrated by the movie and outright hate it. I get why you would be angry with it. Um, I think though Those probably that aren't the people watching right now. But I'll I, say w- that. I would <laughs> say I would say that I think it it got the characters right and it was entertaining enough for me to recommend somebody to check it out. Uh, albeit with deep reservations. You gave it a 7.0, which yeah. is technically, it is good for IGN. Yeah. It's the low, we were somewhere between a 6.9 and a 7, the best version of OK or the lowest form yeah, of Yeah, and, and I will towards. say, in, 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 in just full disclosure, I saw, I've seen the movie twice. And the second viewing, I caught a few more things, and so I did adjust my score up. Just, you know, after watching it again, it was initially in the OK range, and I think, my two big points coming out of it were that, um, you know, Warner Brothers had two things to do. They had to uh, uh, cleanse the palate for people who were turned off by the gloominess of Batman v Superman and to make people want to see these new characters again down the line, to make them uh, enjoyable enough to see more from them. And I felt like on that note, they accomplished those two key objectives. And so I did feel like the movie was entertaining enough and accomplished those t- two objectives, so I, I did up my score to a seven. Joshua, what do you think? So I agree a lot with what Jim had to say. I, the movie is super rough. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a little rough around the edges. Yep. But I had a good time despite of that. It was, it was a lot of fun. They do get the characters right. The story is nothing to write home about, neither is the villain, but I ultimately was really entertained and charmed by how much it embraced DC Comics. I had a big stupid grin on my face for a lot of the scenes of just cool things that I couldn't believe they put in the movie and that, that, that got really just right. Uh, it's, it's not perfect, <laughs> um, but uh, most movies aren't. But yeah, so I had a, a positive impression, even though I understand as a, a film, the way it was put together was maybe not not the best. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, I think that, that Sometimes it's fun to see people disagree, but I think in this case, we actually do agree, and and hopefully that's enjoyable to watch in this case. I thought that Justice League was a lot of fun. I think all of us have vocalized, you know, over the past year or so, how we, or two years, how we did not care for Batman v Superman. We really didn't care for Suicide Squad, but we all did like Wonder Woman. Uh, I think that this feels like a step in the right direction. I think that, and I, I do feel like it, 
it managed to do that without completely undermining what was done before. I think in the way that BVS built on the events of Man of Steel, Justice League built on uh, BVS in like a really smart way and that you see for a big chunk in the movie Batman dealing with the weight of like making a mistake in misjudging Superman and I found this film actually to be surprisingly resonant with with uh, the world today where it's like the world is that much darker because Superman isn't in it and these heroes want to you know create something that can inspire people yeah. and and I really like that and I did think you know the addition of the Flash, Aquaman, these big personalities coming together with the people we know uh, was really fun in a way that, you know, when I said that, people were like, oh, well, DC went the way of Marvel, they've ruined everything. And I was like, no, like, it should be joyous to have the to have the yeah. Justice League assembled on the big screen for the first time. Like, you should have a big dopey grin on your face. Uh, and I think that, you know, the focus on assembling the team and, like, not really serving the story or the, the villain because of that, I'm willing to forgive that roughness of the movie because I did come out of this movie, like, liking having this team together. I, I will say just uh, two points on that. Um, one, uh, to the folks who are, don't think that Justice League can be fun, I mean, have you not looked at any of the old comics, any of the, even the, I think it was the 80s, 90s run where it was kind of more just flat out comedy, but, you know, primary colors, bright, fun stuff, as, as many um, dramatic moments as uh, those characters could find themselves in. I mean, it was still geared towards entertaining you. I mean, the Super Friends were basically the Justice League. I mean, it was fun stuff. Uh, I will say, um, I did think the movie, again, each one of these movies has tried to reverse engineer to retcon issues that the previous movie started. So, BVS was a reaction to Man of Steel and the all the, the cat catastrophic damage in Metropolis. Uh, and this one is definitely a reaction to BVS. Um, the fact that they start with the, the shot of Superman, like how many people did you save Superman? And it's like, that's a pretty on the nose reaction to right. like, the criticisms of Man of Steel. Like, didn't everyone hate him? <laughs> yeah, Wasn't yeah. that the point? Like, yeah, that was the thing. Everyone was marching against Superman. It's like, everyone missing. He was a beacon of hope. Clearly not to you he wasn't, Mr. Angry Guy, but yeah. I did want to bring up point something. So I have had a chance to see it twice now as well. And I think, you These know, guys seen it twice without me. I okay. know, I know. Like, Some people watching this might not have even seen it once. <laughs> um, but, but I did feel, I, I agree with your assessment. 7.0 is, is what my gut says this movie should be. Um, but watching the second time I was struck, I was like, I think, I think probably like uh, under 20 to 50 people actually died in this movie, which is so different from the other films. Like, Are you uh, counting like back, Amazons Yeah, I'm counting the, the Amazons. Stuff? No, I'm, count, I'm counting, like, I guess that's true. I guess there was that big ancient battle, but I think like in the present, they, they picked a location where there weren't people there uh, and they saved the people who were there. There was the case where Steppenwolf like snapped the neck of someone, one of the hostages mm -hmm. with um, Silas yeah. Stone. And then uh, also, like the Amazons and any of the Atlanteans who died fighting him, but yeah. it's like it's so drastically shirts, different. Yeah, yeah but, but that's not my point. Like this is a movie where the heroes save most people, 
as opposed to, uh, you know, BVS, obviously, they picked, like, an island that just happened to be uninhabited to, to have yeah, that yeah, happen. Yeah. But, like, you compare <laughs> that to Man of Steel. I know. I thought that was just yeah, really just interesting. Superman going, civilians, and he takes off. Yeah, it's like, I think okay. even in the case of, of Thor Ragnarok, like, look how many people died in that movie. And this is a movie where, unless I'm missing some, like, again, like, I'm not counting that, that big battle sequence that was sort of about the war that happened before. But, I don't know. I just thought that was yeah. That the thing. movie made a point to show them saving people. Yeah. And it was that great moment, the one that Jim just referenced, where Superman, he's like, oh, civilians. Although, I think he probably <laughs> should have beaten Steppenwolf before going off. Yeah. Maybe right. sent he's someone like, else. <laughs> you know, sending the, their biggest hitter off to save uh, some people. I, I but it was a great yeah. moment when <laughs> Flash saves just a couple people in a truck and Superman saves an entire <laughs> building full of people. Um, but I will take it back to the beginning, and I'm going to get real for a second here, but uh, the part where Wonder Woman... Um, saved the the room full of people in the bank. That uh, that was so that's so tied to real world violence that we're experiencing on like a daily basis now. And again, I'm getting a little real here. Uh, my best friend was killed in the Pulse or attack, and so when she was there to stop the man with the assault rifle with her superpowers. That just made me start crying, and it was like it was like real world tears, like not something particularly the movie, but I'm just like, and I almost felt a little emotionally manipulated. Like when they put that scene in, did they know that this it would be the peak of the national conversation that we'd be having right now? I wonder. I don't know, but uh, it ultimately was like a really strong uh, reaction from that scene. Yeah, yeah I think I, there was a lot of wish fulfillment that runs through all kind of superhero stuff, and and you know. Wonder Woman, I think she's particularly resonant these days because she is a wish fulfillment for not just women and little girls, but I think, you know, I, I think she is a hopeful figure. And that is, this movie made it a point to try and to lean into that. And they do, again, to get, you know, to the retconning back, like, they do have that scene where Batman calls her out for turning her back on, on, uh, humanity for a, a century. So the movie is definitely self-aware and I think they are trying to make it a movie that speaks to what the world needs right now. Yeah, I mean that scene really moved me as well. Uh, it's it's this like irony of like did they do it in they did they put that scene in that movie in response to something specific when there is like a horrible shooting that happens every day in the country. Mm -hmm. But I think like that that is another case to me of like this movie feeling really timely and in a very unexpected way to me uh, to today's world. I didn't feel walking into this movie that I was like, oh, like Justice League feels like a movie for today. Like feels like a movie that I can relate to on on these much deeper levels and I think you know looking back to Wonder Woman earlier this year too I, I will always think of that No Man's Land sequence is just like how powerful to yeah. see that hero like go through that in, in a way that I don't know that if I had seen this movie two years ago it would have moved me in the real world way to your point Joshua yeah. that like it did. Yeah and I think that's that can be, that has been and can continue to be and should continue to be the strength of DC's movies is that they take real world events and issues and instances of, of violence and pair that with a superhero and, and show how 
things can be better. Like, of course, it's a fictionalized reality, but uh, but yeah, putting her in the, in like in the trenches of World War One was very real, and like showing Wonder Woman in that environment, and then yeah, putting her in a modern day terrorist incident. I think that that, that I, I would like to see that more. Like, if we ever get another Superman movie, I would like to see him put put him against like real world war, not some sort of like fictionalized thing where you have these sort of safe constraints uh, right. or just like Age of Ultron, a robot invading a country, right? right? Like, that would never happen. I think, you know, there's some precedent in, in comic book movies for, for taking on the real world. I mean, the Dark Knight trilogy did address sort of very real issues and definitely Dark Knight was, you know, a, a, an epitome of like the post 9-11 movies sort of, uh, the way movies examines the national psyche, I think what these movies are attempting to do is to do that a little bit, but offer up escapism too, which is ultimately why people go to the movies. Uh, you know, as much as I personally love movies that make you think and get into deep things and all that, I mean, you still want to go and have fun. And I think these movies, and the sort of the reaction to, the divisive reaction to BVS. Um, you know, a movie that really leaned into the, the grim real world aspects of it all. Um, I think this movie shows that, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to have it a little bit of both, but they want to lean into making it escapism and, and making it something where these superheroes, you remember what they stand for, that they're not just, angry people trying to destroy each other. Mm -hmm. And that was nice to have back, like particularly Superman, it was nice to have Superman back. Right. The, the, he doesn't always have to be smiling, but like to remember what Superman is, you know? And, and I, I, th I think that's why I, I liked this movie's take on Superman far better than BVS. And uh, I liked Man of Steel uh, a lot. I know I'm in kind of the minority on that one, but it was nice to to have what I feel like is Superman kind of back. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's been hard to get Henry Cavill's read on it because if you ask him, trust me, I've been in this situation a couple of times. If you ask him to his face, "Are you in this movie?" He says, "No, I am dead. Superman is dead." Like that is how I'm in this movie. <laughs> and like obviously, we've if you're at this point, hopefully you've seen this film. Like that is a lie, but I do I do look forward to post release interviews with him where he can talk about the reinvention of Superman. And honestly, like I think the death of Superman gave them a perfect opportunity to sort of give this other take on Superman. I'm sure there will be people out there who are like, no, I really liked that darker, more troubled version of Superman. But I also think part of the reason this shift even occurred is because there was a backlash saying like, not my Superman. Like I want a Superman who does stand for like, truth, justice in the American way, right? Like, yeah. you, like you want that. Um, you get so two I, thirds of that out in that one line to Steppenwolf. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I think, you know, we only see Superman as Superman for a limited part of this movie. I, you know, we know, I know that like Henry Cavill at one point had posted that like black Superman suit. So I feel like there was like a darker turn for Superman that might've been taken yeah. out of the finished cut of this movie. Uh, and I think in like watching it the second time, I sort of felt that in the flow of like, he came back and there was this fight scene and then he was just like, 
at like pet cemetery. Yeah, yeah, pet <laughs> cemetery, and then like came back, and I was like, I feel like there could have been more here that might have been removed, but I think it yeah. still worked to that point. And I think uh, you know, one of the things that struck me about this movie is that there was no clear leader of the Justice League, and I think a lot of times it it defaults to Batman or Superman leading the Justice League, but in this case, it was a little bit more like a balance between uh, Bruce and Diana as the adults mm -hmm. of the group. But I, you know, I thought that worked, and I'm interested to see how in future iterations of the Justice League, like Superman fits into. Well, that. I mean, you you definitely see uh, a few scenes where it looks uh, Batman seems to realize he's not fit to be leader, especially after the events of BVS. He does have a scene where you know he was trying to, I think Alfred with Alfred, where he's like he's trying to get Diana to step up as leader, mm -hmm. and then okay, well they'll follow. They need Superman. The world needs Superman. He should be the leader. So I think. Yeah, I think there's part of that is Batman realizing that his particular methods and his sort of just foibles, um, and, and and that he doesn't really have any powers. Like you know, <laughs> he's rich. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> he, 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 they're gonna need somebody else to step up. So I think um, yeah, either Superman or Wonder Woman becoming the the leader is is a good thing, and also you know it makes you wonder if Ben Affleck does move on from the role. At that point, then you don't have your biggest star in the group, and he's not your leader. Like, it, it, yeah. there's a way you can kind of organically get there. Yeah. Uh, I'm having a couple thoughts as you guys are yeah. having that exchange. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is well, actually, let me tell you the thing that put a big, stupid grin on my face was that it was like that when Superman came in and just punches down Steppenwolf and is just in full primary bright blue costume, his chest out, and he just starts wailing on him. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, this, this is gonna yep. get cheers in the theater. Right. Um, so that was really awesome. It was cool to get Superman and who's saying all these like really nice things. It was almost a, a little too nice and heroic uh, in that he almost felt a little wooden. as like, even though before in BVS and Man of Steel, he felt a little more human, like a real man. Yeah. But now he's like, he's sort of elevated to something else. And maybe that, that's on purpose. Uh, but the, we have to talk about the whole process of how he came back. Great <laughs> <laughs> digger cyborg. First, <laughs> I want to bring up the point that everyone's like, oh, we need him back because he, the world needs Superman because he represents hope. He also, hits like a locomotive yeah. <laughs> and has all these cool powers yeah. and is obscenely uh, you know, strong, so no mention that. But <laughs> So the whole scene where uh, Bruce Wayne was saying, essentially playing mad scientist, saying we need to bring Superman back, and they're all, they all start arguing about it, very much reminded me of Age of Ultron, where Tony Stark was trying to talk about why they needed Ultron and having that whole debate. So he was very Tony Stark in that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the fact that they all went through with it was crazy to me. Especially because they didn't have a backup plan. Like, who was? Let's say he did turn into Doomsday Part Two. Who was going to take him down? What was? They, Alfred Lois. kept saying, "Lois, Lois. Was big gun." That's the whole thing. That, they, he was, she was going to be the Fay Ray to Superman's King Kong, the thing but, that calms down the big, the big ape. Right, but let's say he actually turned into Doomsday. Like it went awry. Oh, like, then like, they like, were all screwed. Yeah, like, yeah. they don't have a Superman-level character to take him down again. I didn't see any kryptonite around. When they kept yeah. mentioning the big gun, I was like, this better be like a kryptonite missile launcher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, so that was all very weird. 
Did, 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 did it like seem a little just, Martha-esque too? Like you know, it, it comes back down to like you 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 know uh, bringing the f uh, you either mention or just outright bringing the female character to talk the super the the uh, murderous superhero down off the ledge. Well, I, I was I was expecting yeah like a Martha throwback yeah. or something like yeah. that. But uh, I like, thought it was like sweetly sincere that like love could tame the beast. But yeah, yeah I mean if you try and pick apart that plan, it's like what the heck yeah. were you guys thinking? World's also, greatest detective. Let's just have like a bit of a nerdy conversation here. So Superman he f essentially fights each member of the Justice League. Mm -hmm. Takes all he's all of them like right mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and then. He, we couldn't beat, he overpowered Wonder Woman, which was crazy to me. I was, I was interested to see their, their test of strength. But yeah, he took down her, he took down all of them. And then the Flash, who was, I guess, trying to super speed around him, and he just slowly turned That was so cool. That was crazy. That was awesome. And him trying to get, super, and Flash is like, ah, and like, trying to get away. It was, that, that was uh, a delight of seeing mm. that. Um, what what'd but, you think of Flash overall? Wait, I, I actually, yeah, yeah, I want to jump in on this because, so, I think this might be my favorite moment in the movie is when Flash shows up and they're like doing their first fight with Steppenwolf and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, like I'm, I'm not this guy. <laughs> and then like Bruce's advice, to him, Batman's advice to him of saying, just save one. And then he's like, and then what? And, and Batman goes, you'll know what to do. That like, I loved that moment. Yeah. I loved that character defining moment. I loved the idea of like, there being a superhero who's like, I don't know what to do. Marvel, I don't think really has a version of that. I, I guess Spider-Man yeah. in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, but like to have them come together as a team and have, have Barry Allen have that moment of like insecurity of like his first big fight against some like alien God thing. And then Batman to ha like give him the right advice to tell him how to be a hero without spelling it out to him. I just, I loved that moment. Yeah. I loved the, everything yeah. that The only Marvel, Marvel parallel I can think of is Hawkeye giving Scarlet Witch a little pep talk. Yeah. Yeah. So true. what we're saying is Joss wrote this scene. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Joss probably wrote this scene. Um, yeah. Uh, what, overall, though, what did you folks think of Flash? Oh, he was he was a delight. Uh, at times, I think it was maybe turned up a little too much that it got. It I got mean, he has like he has like a, a personality, like he has yeah, like ADD has or ADHD or, or, yeah. or something. And I'm not saying that in like a bad way, but I'm just like I like that that's the interpretation of it compared to like Grant Gustin's take on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's so kind of sort of a neurotic superhero, mm -hmm. but he's very much like the little brother of right. the group, <laughs> and he's. He's trying to like, get along with everybody, and he's also just overwhelmed. Uh, uh, the person f filming this conversation right now, Tom, pointed out his favorite moment when they're all coming down on the elevator, and it's like that badass like hero shot, and Flash is just like, <laughs> or <laughs> him in the Batcave jumping around, testing everything yes, out. Yes. It's like yes. some sort of Batcave. I was like, you're going to break something with all that lightning, by yeah. the way. I know. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about Cyborg? He, he, was, he ended up being far more integral, I think, unless, you know, people know the Justice League War animated movie or some of the stuff from the comics, like, you know, they couldn't have won the day without Cyborg. You could have done it probably, probably done it without Aquaman, <laughs> but, you, you know. He, he, in many ways, is like the straight man of the group, right? Like, he's like the moral compass, he's the center, like the very human character in a way that I almost expected Batman to be. So I think because of that, like, Ray Fisher isn't allowed to have as much fun as the rest of them are, but... I liked him. Like yeah. I again, I think they all worked really well as a team. There's so much of his stuff though that was cut out. You could tell, like yeah. any of that college yeah. stuff, any of his Victor Stone stuff that we've seen in trailers. I have a feeling there was a whole. Uh, and Joe Morton told me in an interview that they did the reshoots did kind of uh, rework that character a bit. So I, I I feel like maybe they 
took a lot of the tragedy of that character out. They didn't want to dwell on like him feeling like a monster and all that all that he's lost and instead they're dealing with him I have a job to do you know mm -hmm. yeah I felt he was the character who's probably the he had the, the least amount of impression on me right. because I felt like yeah the others especially everyone was like turned up to 11 like their personalities but he was so dialed down on purpose because that's what they were going for of this person who's been become a machine and needs to find his humanity again uh, and thinks you know, like he's a monster. Uh, I, I just didn't feel, it didn't quite work. It wasn't as compelling and as interesting as I thought it was gonna be. At the end, he of course says, you know, booyah, which is the cyborg saying we all know. Uh, and there's sort and of a the glimmer. Fist bump. There, yeah, there, yeah, he did, he did the fist bump. Uh, and there was sort of a glimmer of who we know him to be from the comic books or even from like the Teen Titans cartoon. But it didn't quite do it for me. And, and yeah, he, he, he did end up being the, the sort of key to fixing it all because he's part mother box and the plot was around these three mother boxes. And, of, and in the comics, if you're wondering, like they don't, they don't do that. They don't like, they don't, uh, they, they act as a doorway and terraform a planet if you put three of them together. But also they <laughs> needed to be stuck in that like rock for some reason. Oh yeah. Well, okay, so did they build the, what was it supposed to be basically Chernobyl? Did they build that around something and it was hidden or like, I, I, I was unclear. What do you mean, that, like energy plant thing? Or? Yeah, like the nuclear plant that melted down. It was supposed to be basically DC's answer to Chernobyl and when they're all inside of that, they're all inside of the actual plant, did they just happen to land inside there or was the plant built to hide something? No, I think that that was just like the central location that Steppenwolf chose because it was like- It was off the off radar. The, yeah, yeah, off the radar. There was like no internet because he would like cause a surge and that's how he yeah, would be found. Okay. But all obviously right. like it was just an excuse to find some believable place on earth where there, where there wouldn't be, wouldn't be people yeah, yeah. Um, which like <laughs> it's funny like i i applaud them for effort but i think <laughs> like superhero fight scenes have gotten so ugly yeah. if i think of like aries or even like sort of like the hella battle in uh in thor ragnarok like i, I just find they're so ugly yeah. like the two big yeah. fight scenes in this are just like the setting is just ugly yeah, and, there, and there's a sort of scattershot approach to to the execution of those fights. And I, I didn't think that there was, um, I understand that they didn't want to have a bunch of civilians at stake, but it's very difficult to really make you feel like this is the end of the world. If you're already in a place where it looks like the end of the world already happened. Yeah, I, I want to talk about Steppenwolf in a little bit, but I do want to get through the rest of the other Justice League characters beforehand. What did you guys think of Aquaman? He Aqua was, bro. so he, it, he had sort of a weird introduction, right? Where first we, he gets the sort of quippy scene mm -hmm. with Bruce Wayne and side note for that scene, was there any doubt that the Aquaman wasn't the really tall, burly <laughs> one with fish eyes? Like, yeah. Yeah. he's like asking, he's like so offering. off chance that it was the old guy over <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> but Bruce knew exactly who he was already, right? Like he walked in. I would hope. Just, I, sort of, I felt like was he was he playing just like dumb? trying to get, yeah, I think he was trying to get him to out himself. Right, yeah. so they have that sort of quippy exchange and then walking along the coast and then, you know, uh, Jason, or Jason Momoa, uh, Aquaman <laughs> like dives Paul into Drogo. the ocean and everything. And it's like, that's one intro. Then we got this other sort of intro where uh, he's saving that ship 
Yeah, from like the being whalers just, or whatever. Yeah, and that's yeah. a very like Zack Snyder esque slow motion shot, right? Mm -hmm. And he he looks like a, like a sea god mm -hmm. appropriately. Yeah. Uh, and but then yeah, then he goes down to Atlantis. That was a super. I hate that scene. Awkward scene. Yeah, really it's weird. So Obviously weird. green screenery. Um, Amber Heard as Mira. I love that they used Mira, and I love her using her aqua kinetic powers to, to fight Steppenwolf. But the scene where it was just her and uh, Aquaman was just so awkward and weird. It took me out of the movie. Yeah, it's such a like such a literal departure from the main storyline, and there's no rhyme or reason for why he goes there. It's apparently the first time he's ever been. It to is Atlantis. the first time he's ever it's been like, to Atlantis. What it's the first time he's there? ever met. Mira, like it's so confusing because yeah. it's like I just think of Spaceballs. It's like the short, short version. Like yeah. you know, we just gotta cram this origin story, and then I, the, the, my big takeaway from it is like basically this movie is a prequel for his movie in a way that like she says you need like if your mother was still here. Uh, that you, she would be the one to go and fight. And that's why he goes and fights. So like, this is the movie that inspires him to want to be the superhero Aquaman who mm -hmm. he will be in his movie and like go get the trident or whatever else. But like, it just was so confusing. You're like, wait, how did he, again, how did he know to go here? He's yeah. really never been before. Pretty big like, ocean. What has he been doing? He's just been drinking Yeah, how old town. is he? Yeah. He's, they have this like weird mural thing up that in the wall. That just happens to throw, show three mother boxes. I just, I yeah. really hated it. I really <laughs> hated like, that scene. I don't get what the hell they were trying to set up there. And it's just, it's a very, it, it does pull you out of the movie. And it's a very um, disjointed scene. I, I do wonder, could you have just cut some of that stuff out like did we they just felt the need to like explain yeah yeah it was know. really weird to do it that way and especially and then also th that couldn't have been the first time he was at Atlant in atlantis it is, it is. Well, yeah this well, is my plug for our interview with jason momoa where he says exactly but that. he does say but then i need something from you and the next time we see him he's got the full aquaman armor and the trident no and it's not a trident it's a f it's the quindant. The quindant. Quindant. <laughs> i'm gonna call it a trident yeah. okay yeah. uh but, th but not only does he have it but he knows how to use it it's magic power like what the heck well, like he got the short short version you know, of the he watched the youtube video on his way over there Guys. Like, oh, a, okay, but I think we're all in agreement that they kind of really rushed that and it didn't yeah, quite work. Yeah. I think Justice League gave itself a lot of work to do that I think maybe didn't have to. By uh, We have two characters who were already established, three who have been hinted at, but we're seeing for the first time really in this movie. So that we had to not only watch this team come together, but see the origin stories of Flash, mm -hmm. Aquaman, and Cyborg. So that was a lot to fit into one we movie didn't that's... We Flashes, and it was fine. Well, well you're right. I mean, it's not his origin Henry story, Allen. but we get his background yeah, yes. more right yeah. of, of that. Uh, and I think maybe maybe that's why I thought the Flash was the most palatable of, of these sort of origin, of these introductory yeah. stories. Um, There's something but, human you could connect to. It's the boy trying to save his dad, and yeah. that's all you kind of needed to know. You didn't need to see him get struck by lightning yeah. and all that. I would have been fine if Aquaman was already Aquaman, and then maybe in his solo movie we find all those other pieces. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it was kind of weird. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think you know to go back to like the origin story thing. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is is the very morbid uh, Flash and Cyborg digging up Superman, and they're sort of exchanging their stories, and oh, yeah. then uh, and Flash goes, "We're the accidents," and that's like when he gets Cyborg to chuckle, and like it just felt it felt real, it felt human, it felt like these de they developed these characters without an exposition dump, and it, it's very clear that a lot of Aquaman stuff was cut from this movie because Willem Dafoe isn't in it, and he was yep. cast in it. So yeah, like, there's no Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> there's no Kiersey Clemens as Iris West. There's no Robin Wright, and she shot uh, scenes as uh, in 
Antiope, Antipi? Yeah, I think it's Antiope, but it's not dwell on that. Um, so she, she's <laughs> out of that. Uh, Commissioner Gordon's in there, but I Why? think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you get somebody like J.K. Simmons, and he didn't really have much to do. Any, any you know, you didn't need a star for that mm -hmm. particular role. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's so much from the early trailers that's missing, and a lot of the reshoots do kind of, stand out you there are just continuity things that yeah. don't match wigs wakings everything <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but i do so beyond beyond the bad introduction aquaman work for you no like are you excited for his next movie i mean ish yeah i mean i think he worked fine i mean i still uh to it, i mean to me they're defining aquaman to a generation aquaman you know, I only knew him from cartoons and I read some of the comics. He didn't, to me, from that limited experience, he never quite had a personality. So bringing in Momoa kind of gives this guy an identity that he didn't otherwise have. I would say I would love to see him more like the Aquaman on Brave and the Bold cartoon. Oh, yeah. Where he's just like <laughs> basically this Ron Burgundy-esque blowhard. <laughs> and I could see Momoa nailing that, having fun with that, you know. Joshua. Yeah, I I think it's already a win that people are all about Aquaman because he's almost washed the taste out of everyone's mouth of, of the impression of the old Aquaman was that he's a joke. And it's it, they're very self-aware about it. And that is a, a line lifted right from Jeff John's run on Aquaman where he's like, so do you talk to fish, right? Mm -hmm. it's, and that's sort of the thing. He's a like, useless, you know, yeah. and yeah. the family guy's <laughs> made fun of him and he's, he's been in all the sketches and Saturday Night Live and everything. Uh, so I feel like there's no way you could think this Aquaman was a joke because he'd probably rip your head off oh, and totally. stab you with his quindent. I love him. I love him and Batman together. <laughs> Dressed like a bat. <laughs> um, we've, we've talked so much about the characters, but I don't want to undersell uh, Batman. And I think this is also a good segue to like feeling whether or not this was, how, how this felt as both a combination of uh, Zack Snyder's directing work and then Joss Whedon coming in to tweak the script and, and complete um, the, the directing it. Like, Using Batman as an example, did you feel like it was the product of two creators, or did you think that it worked fairly cohesively? Yeah, so this this has been sort of the big thing that's been worrying us as we go into it. It's like, is it going to feel like a product of two people? As Jim put it, is it going to feel like an identity crisis? Very <laughs> On nice. On Infinite Arts. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh, so it actually felt fairly cohesive as, as one movie. It didn't feel super jarring. I, for those who have l watched a lot of Joss Whedon stuff over the years, you probably have an ear for it and you can kind of pick out the lines where it's like, oh, that was probably his. Martha saying Percy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 had to have been a Joss Whedon line, right? But oh, I think the God. second we, we do, it, it's a dangerous game to play because the second everyone's like, that was totally a Joss Whedon moment, it's probably going to come out that like, oh, that was a Zack Snyder moment. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think we want to get t too much into that. but. Um, you could definitely feel the touch uh, of both directors. And it, it, it kind of felt like these big slow motion Zack Snyder moments and these action scenes that he's known for. And a lot of people are down on Zack Snyder uh, for what he, he does as a director, but I think it's undeniable that he can create some beautiful, gorgeous, uh, epic moments. And, and th this movie certainly had a lot of those. Uh, but then, yeah, then uh, during the more bantery scenes, you definitely felt the Josh, Josh Whedon touch. And I feel like that, that helped make the, the movie all together work a little better. I think, I, I think you can definitely see on a technical level um, the scenes that were reshot under Joss's guidance. And um, 
you could see that they were pressed for time. Some of the effects are pretty shoddy. Mm -hmm. Some of the lighting is horrible. The wigs are obvious. It just, things didn't, things looked uglier in the scenes that were clearly reshot. And, um, you know, there were just moments, and those moments pulled me out of the movie. There's a couple of pickup shots of Aquaman turning around where the green screen we use on our daily fix has a better effect than that <laughs> shot does. We actually don't um, use a green screen on the daily fix, well, so that's how good that set is. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and there, there were just, there were just moments that just pulled me out of it where the quality, the actual visual quality was not, did not match the stuff that was clearly they had a year to work on mm -hmm. versus probably five weeks, you know? And I think that's to the movie's disservice. And so again, like on a lot of technical levels, you could pick out If you're the looking stuff. for it, I if think. You're, well, even if you're not, I mean, I, not to pick on him, but you know, the Ben Affleck that shot the original movie and the Ben Affleck that shot the sequels stands out because he clearly put on quite a bit of weight and, and it just doesn't match sometimes from shot to shot within the same scene. And that pulls me out of the movie. The thing that pulled me out a bit more was Henry Cavill's like mustache removal, which oh, there were yeah. like there were like jokes about it, but I was when I saw it the the first time it was like several weeks before release and I was I was like, Can you just tell whoever's working on that, just like work on that until release. Yeah. Just like keep working Pull some on overtime. it. <laughs> but I talked to some people who were like, I didn't even notice. I was like, it's all I could watch. Is like yeah. how like He almost had like the Conan O'Brien thing where they would have the fake mouth over like somebody else's. <laughs> I feel bad. I'm like I feel like like your average person might not even know that was a thing or like second guess it. But yeah, I mean it's it's a product yeah. of working in, in this industry that having to cover that news. But I, I agree with Joshua, I think, um, I describe this movie as like having the look of a Zack Snyder movie, but like the voice of a Joss Whedon movie. That's and funny. I think, <laughs> and I think I think that you know a lot. I think a lot of the humor and and banter did probably come from Zach. Uh, the production designer actually told me recently that one of my favorite Easter eggs is and uh, in Flash's house he's watching Rick and Morty. That's one of the things that comes up on the screen. And the production designer said like, no, that was Zach. Zach thought that was really important to have that in there. And I was like, I love that. I like, will say great. I did see that on the set of the movie back before Joss came on to to. Uh, yeah, yeah, direct it was the reshoots. I mean, so I, I think unless you actually worked in this movie, trying to pick out who actually did what is going to be—it's uh, going to be a very difficult task. I think it's a great thing. It's a great thing to say for this movie because it, it was a genuine tragedy that uh, Zach couldn't finish this film and, yeah. and his wife couldn't finish this film. And uh, I'm happy that it—it it doesn't feel like uh, you know some sort of Frankenstein beast because another director had to step in. I think they took a lot of great care with that, and it shows technical problems aside. Yeah, yeah, Snyder got the sole directing credit and Joss Whedon wound up with a co-screenwriting credit. Yeah, and I think too, the, the give some credit to Jeff Johns as well because I feel like his ear and his sort of light touch is in line with Joss's approach. So I feel like that's a pretty good marriage of talents there and I think that helped lend a more cohesive tonal feel to the movie then if it was just this disparate group of creators that were thrust together, like some sort of Justice League, <laughs> to make something, you know? So I think overall, they, they, it worked better in terms of feeling like one movie rather than multiple movies squeezed into one. So we spent a lot of time talking about the things we really liked about the movie, Aquaman origin scene aside. I think one thing we all agree on as being a, uh, 
One of the worst parts of the movie is Steppenwolf, the villain. To me, he is just completely two-dimensional. Though I will say, look at all this positivity I'm bringing to this. <laughs> I do think it's to the movie's uh, uh, credit that they never try to characterize Steppenwolf. He is a mustache twirling, like, I'm here to destroy the world. I don't know if that's mustache Digital mustache Yeah, digital mustache Or like chin prongs. Yeah, like chin prongs. But, like, he is here to destroy the world. That's all he's here to do. There's no, like... Haunted Soul or like, you know, like Malekith. something like, so, though, I think. Well, yeah. I, my, my point is like his sole job in this movie is to be the inciting factor that causes the Justice League to come together. And he does that. And there was no point that I was like, oh, are they going to beat Steppenwolf? Can they do it? I was like, of course they will. Because <laughs> it's not about saving the world. It's about becoming a team. And so I think that that is one reason that this doesn't bo bother me, <coughs> uh, you know, Superheroes ongoing ongoing villain problem uh, for superhero films, but in this one I was like, you know what, whatever it does other stuff. Yeah, well. I don't know if that guy really makes a lick of sense. I mean, he he wants the mother boxes, <laughs> his his whole job, the unity, all that. Like, what are you on about, man? Like, um, you know, there. I believe the initial take in the character was that look, he's like Darkseid's nephew. And or uncle, right? He's and and basically, you know, he's doing all the the scut work for for a family member, and you know, so he's out there and he's trying to get back in their good graces. He's been exiled, but he gets boom tubed, boom tubed out. I don't get it. Like, what <laughs> he is makes going zero on with sense. This guy? Well, like, so Steppenwolf know. is uh, a, a CGI nightmare. A, uh, he's <laughs> underdeveloped and doesn't leave a lasting impression. They made a Marvel villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool but voice, though. Yeah. Like, like Karen Hines, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> I feel like he was just Norman Bates. Like, there was so much confusion about why he kept calling the mother boxes mother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is there precedent for that in the comics? Well, like, uh, the was mother it boxes. Like a mother? Figure? No. no. Well, so There's Mother Boxes. somebody in, amongst the New Gods, but it's not. Like yeah, the that. New Gods uh, are like a pantheon of, of characters who are like gods, and they each have a personal mechanical device called the Mother Box. Mm -hmm. That's it's not just a machine, or, or it's not just power. It 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 um. It has, sort of has like a little like personality, and it opens boom tubes, but also does a couple other weird things. Uh, but yeah, for the movie, they just turn them into like plot devices for it's going to be the means for Steppenwolf to destroy the world. It's the, it's the what's the what's they're the Infinity what, Stones. They're the Infinity Stones yeah. for this, really. Um, and yeah, so I but he, I think they were just leaning into the mother thing for. It's I don't so know silly. reasons. I don't know the why the Martha boxes, but uh, the Martha boxes. Uh, but I, I will say I did love that they used them and the seeing boom tubes in a movie. I remember I turned to Jim uh, yesterday. <laughs> I was like, we saw real live boom tubes, Jim. <laughs> like this is so cool. It's it straight happened. out of Jack Kirby's Fourth World, and it was just so awesome seeing things like like parademons and and just Steppenwolf yeah. uh, just existing in this movie and the Justice League fighting them. It was it was really surreal, it's and I loved how amazing. they really embraced the comics. It's kind of amazing too that it's between this and Thor Ragnarok like this is big time for Jack Kirby stuff like yeah. you know you're getting a lot of his influence um, being brought to life in the big screen I mean I did I did think there was and I know they, they were made at completely separate times but there I, I did feel some parallels between Hela and Surtur and and Steppenwolf a little bit right. I didn't think Hela was a completely uh, well done villain I, I, I like Kate Blanchett and what she was doing with it I didn't think they really you know went as far with that character as they could have but you know you have a guy 
like Surtur, who's basically a big CG thing, both of the villains in Thor have big horned helmets. Right, mm -hmm. The, the Steppenwolf helmet at the end is very much like the Surtur helmet. So, yeah, yeah I was kind of like, huh, I feel like I've seen this recently. We're <laughs> running we're running a bit long. Obviously, we have a lot of thoughts about Justice League, but one thing I do want to talk about is the end. Uh, first, with Steppenwolf, and then talk a little bit about the post-credit scenes. With Steppenwolf, I did think one thing that was pretty confusing. I, li I like the way that like they didn't have to defeat him. His fear defeated himself with the parademons. But I did think it was unclear whether he died, who pulled him away, how he teleported away, like what happened to him. And, and I feel like that is a product of Justice League originally being conceived as two films, like two parts of the same film, and also like this promise of Darkseid, he says once, and I wonder, you know, what you guys, what your take on that was if you think there's more of Steppenwolf in the future. I think Darkseid probably pulled him away or something, like something had to pull him away the last time, 5,000 years before when the, the, the Earth kind of alliance came together to defeat him, just because he didn't get his boxes, he gets pulled away again. Um, yeah, so I'm assuming that there's a greater power out there that's pulling him away. Yeah, I would. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. I, I feel like yeah, Darkseid maybe rescued him, and maybe he saw that oh, this Justice League has been formed, and I'm gonna need everything, so I'm gonna save him uh, in order to beat them one day. Uh, yeah, the whole let the Parademon. He was defeated by his own Parademons because of his fear. That was such a weird thing, kind of like Thor Ragnarok. Somebody that was planted really early on in the right. movie that they're attracted to fear. Uh, and that, that ended up being his undoing. That was kind of weird, kind of cheesy, but I think that was their way of not having the Justice League kill their villain. Right. Right. Yeah. Because no more next they snapping. Didn't, yeah, they didn't <laughs> want another like ne yeah, neck snapping or who or knows not, what. Yeah. I think they just wanted to find a, a clean way to get rid of him that, left, that leaves the League. Doesn't, then doesn't end the, the Justice League's first meeting on a note of murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everyone who watched Justice League stayed through the very, very end because there was a really, really cool tease that got so many cheers when, when I saw it uh, and, and had people reveal it, we find out that Lex Luthor has escaped uh, Arkham Asylum and who has he met up with but Deathstroke. We see yeah. Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke yeah. and they've decided they need a League of Their Own, which I it's a shame there's a movie called A League of Their Own yeah. already because like <laughs> I would watch this League of Their Own. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this sequence. Basically the setup is uh, the heroes have created a team, maybe it's time we uh, create our own. I would call that maybe a suicide squad, but it seems like something else is being set up. Jim, you have some like speculation on like what it could be. It's like some kind of Injustice League or yeah. something. Um, I think that uh, they're gonna, you're going to see them go out. They're going to recruit Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna and Lori Petty and Gina Davis. And Thank you for continuing <laughs> my week of their own um, joke. No, I think, uh, <laughs> look, it, Suicide Squad basically was your supervillain team. Maybe there's a way they can kind of poach some of the Suicide Squad into that. We already saw in Suicide Squad, Flash caught Captain Boomerang. Mm -hmm. So they've encountered members of the Justice League before, clearly Batman and Joker and so Batman and Harley. So you think they're Harley. gonna bring together a new possibly, villain team? I mean, possibly. You obviously want new characters in there as well to sell more toys, new toys. Um, but I think you could, obviously, Lex Deathstroke is there. He's kind of the Batman analog. But you could bring in Joker. You could bring in Harley. You could bring in Captain Boomerang. Killer Croc was, I believe, part of. Well, let's, let's talk League. specifically about like the team name. There are two theories you have about like what team up movie this could be if it becomes one. Like whatever this tease proves to be, one is the Injustice League, and the other is Legion of Doom yep. as potentials. I'll throw in a third one. There's yeah. a, Lex Luthor had his had the Secret Six, 
the witch Ooh. went up against the Suicide Squad in the comic books at one point. Ooh, so there, there are many options of what they could call the team. Although they didn't even call it Justice League Justice League in this movie. So who knows yeah. if they'll actually get an official name. But, what uh, do you call the movie? My then? friends are super. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I. I, I, it's usually they come up with it's a council of evil people and where I think where it's different from the Suicide Squad and why I don't think the Suicide Squad villains will become part of Lex Luthor's team is because the Suicide Squad were essentially a group of bad people recruited to do good things and for audio only listeners I did good things in air quotes because it's obviously <laughs> Amanda Waller's objective whatever she wants but usually it's in, it's in the, the world's best interest. Uh, whereas uh, Lex Luthor's group, whatever ends up being that's called the Injustice League, whatever, uh, that it's a group of evil people wanting to do evil things. Uh, and so I've actually come up with a, a roster that I'm just going to run by you guys. Should I point them out by. here? Uh, oh, hey. one by another yeah, for that. audio listeners only, I'm holding up a uh, copy of the Justice League graphic I novel. I see at least one of my, my picks on so there. These, these so these are the people we would love to see in an Injustice League, Legion of Doom, Lex Luthor-led villain team. Yes. Okay, so the first one, well, Lex Luthor is there, obviously, to take on Superman. He can put on his purple and green power suit to do that. Deathstroke is there to take on Batman. Uh, Black Manta would be a great rival for Aquaman. I'm, I'm, he, I'm, he's been cast. He's going to yeah, be in, in the, the movie, movie, so maybe he survives that experience and, and joins this league. You can do Reverse Flash for Flash, uh, Professor Zoom, whoever you want. Uh, for Wonder Woman, you can have Cheetah, which is her, her most notorious villain, aside from Ares, although I don't think they're going to get him back. <laughs> um, and then for Cyborg, I was really thinking a lot on him because he doesn't have any iconic villains. He comes from the Teen Titans. So actually Deathstroke, like Sl Slade Wilson, is one of his signature ne nemesis uh, enemies. Uh, but I was thinking it might be a better idea to get an evil robot. And for, their, for that, you would use Metallo who Ooh. would be great of someone who is full machine, not just yeah. part machine. So that'd be a great like analog for him, a great great mirror for him to look into. But also that character would obviously be great to take down Superman with his, with his beating kryptonite heart. Here's my question though, not on that list. Do you Would you want to see Joker in this lineup or Harley? I don't think you need it, but I think you could work them in. Because I, I want to see one analog per character, but then you just have like five Batman villains if you go too <laughs> far in that direction. That's true. I mean, I, I would love to see Harley as an established character. You know, it is running into that situation of there are so many announced DC films or partially in production DC films, and it's like, what direction will they go next? I didn't even expect that this would even be an option. But I think you know, based on the reaction that that I saw in the theater when Deathstroke showed up, uh, I think that people will be really excited for this. And I think if Justice League does well, and I imagine it does well, they should definitely capitalize on that moving forward. Uh, now I do. We have one more thing we want to talk about here, our favorite Easter egg, but uh, I do want to plug Jim's post-credit scene breakdown uh, that you can find on IGN.com, which also explains that other super fun uh, post-credit <laughs> or mid-credit scene between Superman and The Flash that we didn't get into here. So make sure to check that out for a full breakdown. If you didn't get what that was a reference to, it's really fun. Uh, I do want to talk, though, about the moment that I could not wait for Joshua to see. <laughs> Joshua, you are a bit of a Green Lantern fan. How did you react to seeing that more than a cameo, I would call it a full-on appearance in that Steppenwolf flashback? Oh, I jumped out of my seat. I startled the person <laughs> next to me. <laughs> I had, I was... So yeah, I love Green Lanterns, not a secret to anybody, and it was so cool to see, yeah, like the original fight against Steppenwolf where all the heroes of that age have banded together, and there's a Green Lantern, there's, there's one Green Lantern per sector of the universe, this was Earth's 
uh, Sector Green Lantern coming to fight. And he, he, died. Was making, he did die. Sacrificed no. But he what did get some cool. He was making constructs and everything, yeah. and he got killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, was, I could not decide what species or what Green Lantern they were doing. I couldn't decide if it was a new character or something from the comics. I'll need to see it again to decide exactly that who that was. Alien, was. Or, yeah, or she. She could have been yeah, a she. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, he, 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 I'm just going to go with he. But he, yeah, he eats it. <laughs> and his, and of course we know when Green Lantern die, the the ring flies off to f recruit a new Green Lantern, continue on the legacy. So the and that uh, assumedly gets passed on eventually to Hal Jordan, five thousand years later. We don't know what they're doing in Green Lantern Corps, but it was just so cool uh, to see that because they took out the line from the trailer where Steppenwolf is talking and he's talking about how the Earth is unprotected and he says no lanterns, right? But so they, I'm glad we got this instead. We actually saw Green Lantern in the flesh. It was super cool. He was fighting alongside who I first thought was Shazam with the I think lightning, it was Zeus. but it was Zeus. Zeus. Yeah, Jim yeah. corrected me, uh, and now you've corrected me too, Terry. Uh, <laughs> so. And you too weirdly, at home, King Ares weirdly was also listed as one of the gods, uh, as David Thewlis, like in the credits, which was but strange. I didn't, I didn't see, see him. him. Uh, yeah. I, uh, somebody else at my screening did see him. I oh, think I was one. so busy trying to find Green Lantern again, and the second yeah. time I was like, forget Ares, I know he's yeah. in this. And I'm like, I just want to get a better look at the the alien. What the design was, yeah. and he's and it's upside down, so I'm kind of like, ah, yeah. it's got like little things poking out of its that's, face. That's again such a cheer moment, though, and I feel like that to me, you put that in there because that's a promise. Like we know yes. Green Lantern Corps is one of the many movies in development, but to me, that's like, to in my head, I'm like, this is a promise from Jeff Johns to <laughs> Joshua Yell that he will make this movie. He wants you to yeah. know. And I will say, in the comic book that Jeff Johns wrote, drawn by Jim Lee. Uh, about the Justice League meeting for the first time that essentially mirrors this story. A few things are different. A lot of things are different, actually, but it's, it's kind of the same core story, same core experience. That team is the exact same as here, but it does not have Green Lantern. So I, and I understand why you wouldn't want to do that. I feel like already having six characters is a lot, seven. Imagine having another character on top of all this who has a really weird origin and who had a movie that people didn't really gravitate to. Um, but there is the promise of more because when they go into Wayne Manor at the end and and we're going to, you know, they're going to clean it up and build it Bear and that's going to become our, you know, there's room for six and then I think Wonder Woman says or maybe more, Batman says maybe or maybe more, you know. So, yeah, I think it's, we'll, we'll get there with Green Lantern. I could see him being, uh, whether it's Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart, I think they're going to go with Jon Stewart. Um, I think it's gonna be a, like a bunch of them, right? It's gonna be no, it's yeah. gonna be those two in a Lethal Weapon style. Yeah, yeah, movie, they've been right? developing yeah. that. At this point, I'll believe. <laughs> I have ten no years from now, when we're here doing the spoiler yeah. cast for that, <laughs> <laughs> you can get Chip and Badge in there as the Rocket Raccoon. I'm just saying. I have a little anecdote about that. I did the set visit for the Green Lantern movie about eight, nine years ago. Now it's been a while, and I, I, I Jeff Johns was taking us around the set. We were looking at all the production art. And we've seen all this stuff about Oa, and I'm like, oh, where's Chip? You gotta put Chip in there. He's like, basically the long and short of it was, ah, oh, Chip's a bridge too far. I'm like, kids would love that. Flash forward a couple of years, and what do we have? We have Rocket, Raccoon, and Groot. And I'm like, <laughs> I do hope Jeff and DC have now realized Chip Chip has a place in the sun. Well, if people. they've made it to the end of this, along with the rest of you who are still here watching, they know, they know. Uh, I do wanna wrap this up. That was a really good segue to say, um, coming out of this movie, Number one, does it make you excited for a second Justice League team up? And two, do you think this can is a step in the right direction after Woman, Wonder Woman for the DC films, Joshua? So it's it's a it's it shows the promise of their characters, not so much in their movie making skills. But I, I understand that this movie 
from what I heard was, you know, remade, rewritten, uh, you know, tons of different people brought in to work on it over several years. And so it's, it is uh, not that well put together, <laughs> but it does give me a sense of confidence that they know what sort of tone to strike and what sort of characters people want to see. Because ultimately, despite all the things that were wrong with it that dragged it down, I had a big smile at the end of, uh, on my face. I think a lot of other people are too. So I think it's, it's, it's a good step forward. I think... It was two thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> Those of you listening. I, I would say that given that the ship had, the train, uh, the train had already left the station. I'm going with a vehicle metaphor here. The train had already left the station by the time the backlash of BVS hit. And they had to course correct in production, which is almost always a killer. The fact that this movie ended up as much of an uh, ungodly mess as it can be at times, that it ended up as fun as it can be. I think, imagine now what they could pull off if they have their act together from the get-go and know exactly what it is that they want to do and have the creators all on board all at the same time. Um, so I'm hopeful that now that they've learned some pretty hard lessons and gone through one hell of a production, that imagine starting at the script level on what what they could do. So we like the characters. Now you got to get your storytelling and your filmmaking honed to that point yep. as well. I, I agree. I walk out of this saying like, okay, what are your plans for a next one? Like, when are we going to get these people together? Even if it is uh, on a smaller scale, you know, there's talk of like a Flash Cyborg movie. I, I really liked the mishmash of big personalities in this film and how they came together. And I did come out like, excited to see where these characters go next once I figured out what that Aquaman movie was going to be. I was like, oh, prequel. Okay, I get it now. I'm excited to see that. Definitely excited for Wonder Woman 2 and whatever else they end up deciding to make and if they can ever make a Flash movie. So that makes me happy. It makes me genuinely happy to say that because I know we've been down on DC films in the past and I stand by like right Rightly so, uh, but I'm glad that even though this movie is not perfect, a bit of a mess, it still does, to Joshua's point, leave us with a smile on our face. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our entire uh, breakdown of Justice League. We absolutely want to know your thoughts in the comments. Please keep things respectful, but we, we look forward to chatting with you about your thoughts about this film. I also definitely want to plug uh, Jim's review of Justice League. If you haven't checked it out already, please do. We also have a really fun uh, video where Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, and Ezra Miller Flash interview each other that I highly suggest you check out. We have got plenty, plenty more Justice League coverage on the web from Easter eggs and beyond. So for all things DC, make sure to like and subscribe to IGN on all your favorite platforms. We'll see you next time. So that's what Terry, Jim, and Joshua thought of Justice League. I'll give you guys my very brief reaction. I don't want to retread the same ground that they did, and that's all I would be doing. And I'm also alone, and there's only so much podcasting one can do alone before they start to go insane. So very briefly, liked it, didn't love it. I think that it is way better than the sum of its parts. I, I think the chemistry of the team is what's going to keep people uh, liking this movie and, and keeping it in people's good graces. Uh, it's going to be divisive. I'm actually really interested to hear what the general reaction is. 
but I'm guessing that people are going to love it. Uh, Flash, I think, is definitely the standout of the new heroes. I think Flash is really funny. Ezra Miller's performance is just hectic and chaotic and fun, and he just really brings this levity to the team that I think sort of ends up being the key to why the movie works so well, or at least a very big part of it. Uh, so yeah, Justice League, a really, really good step in the right direction for the DCEU. I'm not sure yet that they completely have their stuff together, but it's definitely encouraging to see them listening to the fans, what they didn't like, what they did like too, and uh, and seeing them work with that. So that's kind of my general thoughts on Justice League. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more on the podcast uh, as the weeks go on, but uh, for now, I'll leave you with that. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tom Jorgensen. Jim's at Jim Vavita. Terry is at Terry underscore Schwartz. And Joshua is at Joshua Yale. And uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Leave us some nice reviews. Those really help. Be sure to check out our fan page on Facebook. That's uh, IGN Movies Podcast. Really great discussions going on there all the time. Very active community. We love you guys. And uh, if you want to tweet at us, make sure to use the hashtag IGN Movies Podcast. Hashtag IGN Movies Podcast. That's going to do it for this week. I do want to plug one more time our uh, our special celebrity guest who is going to be appearing on next week's episode of the podcast. I know we've been teasing this for a long time, but uh, finally next week we are going to have that conversation on the podcast. It was a great talk. Uh, I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy it. So make sure to check back for that. That's going to do it for the IGN Movies podcast this week. I'm Tom Jorgensen, and we will see you next time. Oh, 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 oh